Good morning. So good to connect with you guys today. Welcome to all of you in the room and all of you who connect with us online. My name is Ricky. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here at Fort Caroline. And let me say something personal. Today uh, is my mom's birthday. My mom and dad watch every weekend. So mom, happy birthday. I hope you have an awesome day today. I'll call you later tonight. And uh, so thank you for letting me indulge my mom today. I love my mom, and I hate that I can't spend her birthday with her, but we are so glad that we can spend it together in this way. And we're in this series called Unplanned, when the new normal is not normal. And we know that life has been uh, taking many unplanned turns for all of us, especially over this last year. And of course, unplanned circumstances don't just happen in times like this with COVID. They come under the umbrella of all kinds of changes and circumstances. And today what I want to do is talk to you about a message I'm calling the waiting room. Have you ever had to sit in a waiting room, maybe at the doctor's office or at a dentist's office, or maybe you had an appointment to have your car repaired? I don't know about you, but I don't always wait well. I just don't like sitting in those waiting rooms for long periods of time. Uh, Usually you go in and uh, there's perhaps stale coffee available. There are old magazines and outdated magazines on the coffee table. There is terrible Muzak playing over the intercom. And, and no one's talking. You know, everybody just kind of just stays in their little bubble, especially now, uh, wearing masks. But people are just kind of quiet. And there was uh, an occasion I was at an appointment, and I was in the waiting room waiting to be called when... Uh, finally, this lady just was exasperated, and she, she went up to the desk, and she said, I've been sitting here for 30 minutes, and no one has called my name. And the lady behind the desk said, what's your name? She looked at the list. She said, ma'am, your appointment's not till tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, so I felt so sorry for her, but you know, we don't all wait well. And sometimes we can feel like we're in this waiting room when we're waiting on God. We're waiting on God to come through in our lives Maybe you're waiting on a breakthrough in your marriage and you're wondering when is God going to show up and how is he going to show up. Maybe you're waiting on God to help you as you're fighting that addiction. Maybe you're waiting on help from above because you're feeling depressed and tired. Maybe you're waiting on God to intervene in the life of your wayward child who you raised to know God and to love God and yet they've, they've gone their own way and they've strayed from God. Maybe you're waiting on God to show up and help you with your grief that you feel after the loss of your loved one. And you've got well-meaning friends who say, it's time to move on. And you're saying that just is not going to happen. And so I think all of us at one way or the other can understand what it is to feel like we're in the waiting room of God. And we wonder sometimes, like when we're in a real waiting room, if we've been forgotten We have this fear. Maybe they forgot about me. Maybe I'm just sitting here wasting time and they don't even know that I'm here. And sometimes we can feel that way about God. God, where are you? God, have you forgotten about me? And maybe you all are very spiritual and you don't know anything about what I'm talking about. You've never felt that. You've never experienced that. But there are times in my life over the years where I've thought, God, I've been trusting and pleading and begging and asking and praying when are you going to come through? Are you, are you hearing my prayers? And here's something I've discovered the hard way. And I think this will be helpful for all of us today. Is that while you are waiting, God is up to something good. In fact, what God has you waiting for is worth the wait. 
What God has you waiting for is worth the wait. You see, I've discovered something that while I'm in the waiting room trusting for God to show up, God is actually still working whether I can see it or not, whether I can feel it or not, whether I can make sense of it or not. And in those times of waiting, God is wanting to do something in me, but also through me. And the same is true in your life. Whenever God has you in a waiting room, What God has you waiting for is worth the wait because He is going to do something in you. But don't just stop there. He's not just going to do something in you. He's going to do something through you. God is not going to waste this time. He's not going to waste this problem. He's not going to waste this pain. He's going to bring something good out of it for you, but also for other people. And you're going to have to trust God in the meantime. You're going to have to trust God while you are waiting. And I'm talking to two kinds of people today. I'm talking to some people who right now are in God's waiting room. And you're just waiting, wondering, when's God going to do something? When's God is going to hear my prayer? When is God going to give me guidance? When is God going to help me? And you need to hear this message today because you need hope to hang on. And you need to know you're not alone. But others of you have already come through the waiting room and you've Now gotten on the other side and you can see the deliverance that God brought into your life. You can see how God has helped you. You can see how God rescued you. You can see how God showed up in that situation. And if that's who you are today, you need to know that God's not finished. He wants to do something not only in you, but now he wants to do something through you for other people. So what I want to do is take you to an Old Testament psalm, and and it's Psalm 40. It's one of my favorite psalms, and I'm going to put the words on the screen, but there's just nothing like seeing it with your own eyes from your own copy of God's Word. So whether you've got a printed Bible or you open it up on your device, I want to just look at the first three verses of Psalm 40 today as we look at what God has you waiting for. Because what God has you waiting for is worth the wait. And I want to read verses 1 through 3 all the way through. And then I want us just to come back and unpack those verses together. Does that sound like a plan? I'm going to do it anyway. So uh, you go ahead and just follow along. That's what we're going to do. Psalm 40. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. This is a psalm of David. David declares, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. David is writing Psalm 40 after he has come through a terrible time in his life. He he describes it metaphorically as a miry bog. He, He pictures himself as being down in a pit, down in a dried up well that just has a muddy, clay, miry bottom to it. And he is deep down into whatever the circumstances are of his life, and he cannot get out. The harder he tries, the deeper he sinks into the mud. And you say, Ricky, what was it going on in David's life that he was really struggling and trusting for God to come through? Well, we don't know. Many people have speculated different circumstances and different difficult periods in David's life, but we're not told. And I love that. 
Because I think it's intentional that we're not told what David's particular problem was. Because if David had told us what his particular problem was, we would have said, well, Psalm 40, that's not for me. I'm not dealing with that. I can't relate to David. Or we would say, well, David thinks he had it bad. He doesn't know what I'm going through. Yeah, that's easy for him to say. But if he knew what I was going through, he would feel differently. I think the reason we don't know what the circumstances are in Psalm 40 is because God invites you into Psalm 40 not to be just David's psalm, but to be your psalm, your miry bog, your sticky situation, your dungeon of destruction may look different than somebody else's in this life, but there's one thing we have in common, and that is the Lord in whom we place our faith and our hope and our trust. In verse 1, David continues, he says... I patiently waited for the Lord. That's actually a a nice way to put it in the English translation. In the Hebrew, it's literally, waiting, I waited. Waiting, I waited. I waited patiently. I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. It is a word of intensity. This is not just David saying, I waited for a few minutes, and then God showed up. This is not David saying, I waited for a few weeks and God showed up. David is telling us, I waited so long, I lost count of how long I had to wait. I waited patiently for the Lord. And sometimes we treat God like we are in a hostage negotiation and we have something he wants. God, let me tell you, here's what I demand. You've got seven hours to come through. And if you don't, and sometimes we treat God that way, but one thing God's doing in all of our lives by allowing us to go through the problems and trials of life is he is teaching us patience. He is teaching us how to trust God without limits. It's easy to talk about trust theoretically on a Sunday morning when life is going good, but whenever your life is not going so well, that is when your patience is put to the test. That is whenever you learn to trust God, even when you can't understand how long you're going to have to trust God in this situation. It's a word of intensity. I waited and waited. But listen, it's also a word of activity. When David says, I waited patiently for the Lord, he is not saying I waited passively. He's not saying I just folded my arms and said, okay, God, I'm waiting on you. I'm not doing anything else until you show up. No, David is waiting, not passively, he's waiting actively. David waited on God like a waiter waits on a table. It's active waiting. It is attentive waiting. Whenever you read David's life, even in the midst of his times of waiting on God to show up, He still did some things. He worshiped while he waited. He prayed and talked to God while he waited. He gathered with God's people in worship while he waited. He read the word of God and learned more about God while he waited. He continued to obey God even while he waited. He pointed other people to God while he waited. He's not just passively waiting. He is actively living for the Lord, saying, God, there's this situation I'm trusting you for. I can't fix it. I can't get myself out of this jam. I can't get myself out of this mess. I'm waiting on you to do it, but I'm going to keep serving you. 
I'm going to keep living for you. I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to keep talking to you. And that is a lesson we need to learn in our daily lives. Because so often what we want to do is blame God. And say, well, if that's the way you're going to make me wait, then I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not reading my Bible anymore. I'm not singing these praise songs anymore. I'm not going to live for you anymore. Because you haven't done this thing I want you to do. But that's not how David treated God. David said, God, I'm going to live for you no matter what. I waited patiently. It's a word of intensity. And it's a word of activity. And it's also a word of fidelity. I waited patiently for the Lord. His eyes were on God and God alone to show up. He was confident that the Lord would come through for him. And listen, we are blessed to have so many resources available to us in life. But in the end, your faith better only be in God. He is the only one who will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the only one who will show you grace and mercy consistently. He is the only one who can solve the deepest longings of your life. He is your God, your creator, your savior, your sustainer, and he deserves your fidelity. He deserves your loyalty. He deserves you to say, God, I'm not giving up on you even when life is difficult. I'm in this because you are with me and I'm going to wait for you, God. I'm going to trust that you'll come through for me. And notice something amazing happens. David is so joyful here. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Verse 1, he inclined to me and heard my cry. I love the way this is translated. He inclined to me. The word in the Hebrew that David is writing literally means to lean in. And David says, it's amazing to me that as I waited patiently for the Lord... The God of the universe humbled himself to lean in towards me. He didn't pull away from me. God wasn't drawing back from me. All those times I had to wait on God, God actually came through and he leaned in. He leaned in. He inclined to me. He turned his ear towards me. He said, David, I see you. David, I hear you. David, you're important to me. David, I'm not finished with you. He inclined to me and heard my cry. David is humbled by the fact that God heard his prayers. Even whenever he thought maybe his prayers weren't getting past the ceiling, he was able to look back and say, you know what? God was always there. God was always at work. God was always attentive. And God always heard my prayers. God's delays in my life did not indicate God's denial of his plan for my life. No, God inclined and he heard my cry. I love that. And what does the Lord, creator of the universe, do for David? Verse 2, he drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog. It was not uncommon for cisterns, for deep wells to be dug in the Middle East in David's time, and for that to be a source for the local area for water, for travelers, and for animals. But sometimes those cisterns would dry up and all that would be left in the bottom would be just this muck and mire. And sometimes as a way of killing people, people would be thrown into those 
empty cisterns and they would either fall into the remaining water in the bottom and get stuck in the mud and die there if no one rescued them. It was a horrible way to die. And David is metaphorically saying, this is the way I felt in my problem. I couldn't get myself out of it. And it was a pit of destruction. Had God not showed up, it would have been the end of me. He says, but God not only heard my cry, God is the one who drew me up from the pit. David says, there was a day I looked up and who did I see peering over the top but the Lord himself. He's the one who lifted me up. He's the one who extricated me from my problem. He's the one who took me out of that miry bog where I couldn't get out on my own. And God drew him out and he said, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. God put me on firm foundation. God established my life. God took me from that extreme situation to this stable situation. And I give God all the praise for what he's done, David is saying. In fact, I love the fact that David says, He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything down in the miry clay. But when God delivers you, he does not deliver you so you can leave God and go do what you want to do now. God puts you on the rock so that you will be secure in your steps and know how to live from this day forward dedicated to God. That's the, that's the difference between people who are truly trusting God by faith as their Lord and their Savior to come through for them versus those who just want out of their problem so they can then get on with life without God like they used to. The only time they pray is when they're in trouble. The only time they show up for worship is whenever they're in trouble. The only time they ever talk about God is when they're in trouble. And as soon as God comes through for them, they forget everything God did for them. But when God delivers you, he sets your feet on a solid rock and he makes your step secure so that you can now live for him in obedience to his word from this day forward. And look at verse 3. David says, God's not finished with me. Verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. No longer singing the blues, now singing praise to God. And David writes, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. David does not speak like his deliverance was deserved. David recognizes his deliverance was an act of the grace and goodness of God. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God, because I know I owe God praise for what he's done for me. God is the one who delivered me. Not because I deserved it, but because God is good and God is gracious. And I want to give God praise for his deliverance, his rescue in my life. But there again, David does not speak as if God did all of this just for David. As if the whole universe revolved around David. That's how we sometimes live our lives. We pray about things because we're just concerned about us. We act like God delivers us just for us. But David says, no. No, many people will see what God has done in my life. And they will fear God. They will reverence God. They will respect God as a miracle-working, delivering God. A God of rescue and salvation. 
and they will put their trust in the Lord. David says, it was never just about me. God was not only doing something in me and for me, God was doing something through me. He was using what he was doing in my life as a testimony to other people. You can put your confidence in this God just like David put his confidence in this God. I love that David is saying, many people will see what God's done for me. Many people will reverence God for what he has done for me. And many people will decide, if David can trust the Lord, then I too can trust the Lord. And David says, God's bringing something good out of my bad. He's bringing something good out of my pain. He's taking my test and giving me a testimony. He's taking the mess of my life and giving me a message to tell other people. He is turning all of my pain into praise, pointing other people to God. And dear friend, when we trust God all the way through, other people see they can trust God too. God wants to use you and what you're going through to build up your faith, to teach you to trust God, but He also wants to use your life as a testimony to other people that they too can put their confidence in God. Several years ago, really many years ago now, I conducted the funeral of a retired pastor. What an honor to be able to be with a man of God as he is coming to the end of his life and to see in him faith in God. And I'll always remember what this pastor said to me one day when I was at his home shortly before he went to meet Jesus. He said, Pastor Ricky, I have spent my life teaching people how to live for God. I now have the honor of showing them how to die with God. I've lived my life teaching people how to live for Jesus. Now I get the privilege of teaching people how to die with Jesus. What a testimony. And he used his cancer and he used his difficulties, even in the last part of his life, to say, listen, I'm trusting God. And you can too. You say, well, but God didn't come through for him. He died of cancer. You performed his funeral, Ricky. Well, you evidently have forgotten most of your Bible that teaches to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You, you must have forgotten that Jesus said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am there, you may be also. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No, cancer didn't win. Jesus won. And his life became a testimony to other people. I, I, I don't want to embarrass them, but I think about Greg and Donna Heron sitting here on the front row today. Their, their testimony is on our website, by the way. You go to our website and look up Celebrate Recovery, and you'll see we've got testimonies, stories from people where God's shown up and shown off in their lives. And they give a testimony of how God worked in their lives. And now they have touched hundreds if not thousands of people saying, listen, if, if we can trust God all the way through, you can too. 
Trust God with whatever you're struggling with. Trust God with whatever you are going through because God is going to be faithful to you. And of course, the supreme example of what it means to trust God all the way through as a way to teach others they can trust God too is none other than our Savior, Jesus Christ. He went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he fell down on his face before his father in prayer and three times before the cross. He said, Father, if it's possible, if there's any other way, let this cup of suffering that I'm about to experience where I take the punishment for the sin of the world, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will be done. And we don't hear of any record of of him ever losing faith. He goes to the cross of Calvary. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? By the way, he was quoting Psalm 22. And he died. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. One of my favorite passages of Scripture in the book of Hebrews is Hebrews chapter 12, where it says to us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, but is now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was saying, look at my life. Yes, look at my my crucifixion and my death, but don't forget about my resurrection. You see, there's groaning, but on the other side of groaning, there's glory. There's crucifixion, but on the other side of that, there's coronation. There's death, but on the other side of that, there's life. And you too can put your faith in God, whatever you're going through. If you're waiting, trust God. Wait patiently. Keep living for God. Keep your faith in Him. And when God brings you through in this life or in the life to come, give him praise and know that he's going to use your life as a testimony to other people that God is worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our faith. So how do we apply this to our lives today? Well, I guess it depends on where you are in relation to the pit. If you're in it, then patiently wait for the Lord. Keep worshiping, keep praying, keep worship coming to God in faith, keep crying out to him, keep gathering with his people, keep reading God's word, keep living the best life you can, knowing that even when there are things in your life you can't control, God is still at work. You wait on the Lord. He's going to show up. He's going to show off. Wait on the Lord. But if you're already on the other side of the pit and you've got a story, you've got an experience, you've got a testimony of how God has seen you through some stuff, you need to praise God and you need to point other people to God. Who are you telling about what God has done in your life? I don't mean preach to them. I don't mean act braggadocious. But I mean, who are you t- telling? Look at what God's done in my life. And listen, I don't know what you're going through, and there's no way that I can never fully know how you feel, but I'm just going to tell you this. Our circumstances may be different, but our God is the same. Trust Him. Look at what He's done in my life. Trust Him with your life as well. Who are you sharing your story with so that God can be the source of their faith and their strength? And listen, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, can I just say to you, Putting your confidence in Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sin is the greatest decision you'll ever make. 
But it will not mean you don't go through some difficult times. But it does mean you'll never go through difficult times alone. And you'll never go through pain and suffering without a purpose. God will take your test and give you a testimony. God will turn that mess into a message or a ministry. God will use your pain as a platform to help you, but also to help someone else. He can make all things work together for good, but it all starts by knowing Him and loving Him because He first loves you. So if you've never done that today, I want to lead us in a prayer where we rededicate ourselves to trusting God who are already followers of Jesus. But I'm also going to close out our prayer time with you, perhaps for the first time in your life, asking Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. So why don't we pray right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder in Psalm 40 that when we trust God all the way through, others see they can trust you too. And God, some of us are in the pits. Some of us are in the miry clay. Some of us are in a situation that we can't do anything else. You're going to have to come through for us. And God, teach us to wait patiently, to wait actively, to wait faithfully on you and to give you praise while you're working and when you work in a way that only you can get the credit for. God, others have come through that And they look back and they see what you've done for them. And they're so grateful to you, God. But they also want you, God, to use what they've gone through to bless someone else, to help someone else, to point someone else to you. So, Father, I thank you for those who will use what they've gone through to help someone put their trust in you, too. And, Father, if there's someone right now maybe watching us online or listening to this on the podcast or someone right here in this room who realizes I've never received Jesus as my Savior. I need Him in my life. God, I thank You that this is not an accident. They're here. This is a divine appointment. This is the moment they can get right with You through putting their faith in Jesus. So friend, if that is you and you need Jesus, just pray silently in your heart and He'll hear you when you pray. Just say something like this. Dear God, that's right, pray where you are. Dear God, I admit to You I'm a sinner. I need You in my life. I cannot save myself. I'm in a miry pit called sin, and I can't get out. My only hope of forgiveness is you. Thank you, Jesus, for being God's son, for living a perfect life, coming into this messed up world and dying for me on the cross, taking my punishment on that cross. And Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead on the third day, and you promised if I would believe in you, I'll not perish in my sin but I'll have eternal life. So today, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I trust you to forgive me of my sin, to be my Lord and my Savior. Now, God, help me to learn more about Jesus so I can live for him. Thank you for establishing my feet on the solid rock of faith in Jesus. Thank you for securing my steps and giving me a life of purpose now, a life dedicated to Jesus. It's in his name we all pray. And everyone said... Amen. If I can help you take that next step, or if you want to go public with your faith in Jesus, I'll meet you here at the front, or connect with me on Facebook, or connect with us on our website. Love you guys. God bless you.